You're only out for yourself. You're always trying to get your own way. It's ridiculous. You know I'm right, and you're just being stubborn as usual. You are not going out in public dressed like that. Put some clothes on. Oh, Mom, you have no idea what's in style. This is how everyone's dressing. Plus, I get lots of attention looking this good. You will never guess what she did. I'm telling you, I would never act that way. Plus, she's such a gossip. You can't trust her with anything. Don't tell her anything you wouldn't want the world to know. Ugh, I can't stand her. Look around you, kids. Isn't God so good? The trees, they're all so beautiful. And the sun, it's peeking out of the clouds and it's breathtaking. God is such a wonderful creator. Don't forget about the birds, Mom. Yeah, and school is too. Hey everybody, welcome to the second week of our series called Bless This Home. I'm so glad to have all of you with us at all of our live churches and our network churches and those of you joining us from countries all over the world at Church Online. What we're doing in this four-week teaching series is we're looking at what's known as the Beatitudes. That simply comes from a Latin word which means blessedness. In Matthew chapter 5, Jesus showed us eight different characteristics of those who are blessed. Last week, we looked at blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Next week, we're going to see that blessed are those who are peace makers. In our homes today, we have a lot of people that are peace takers, and we're going to learn to be peacemakers. And in the fourth week, we're going to see that blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. Today, I want to apply one of the Beatitudes to our families as we ask God to bless our homes, because honestly, most of us wouldn't say that most homes, most families look really blessed uh, from the outside. So to ease into it, let me ask you an odd question. All of our churches, I'm curious, who's ever been robbed before? Who's ever been robbed? Raise your hands. Man, a lot of people. Um, I used to live in the hood. When I was in college, I was in the deep hood, and I was robbed probably four times, once at gunpoint, and uh, so I've devoted the rest of my adult life preparing for the next person who breaks into my home. <laughs> I am kind of like a weapon, a walking weapon. <laughs> Give me a pair of nunchucks, and I can, I can take out like eight armed men, single hand. I'm like a Bruce Lee movie waiting to happen. <laughs> Get out of my house. Just joking, but anyway, I, I, I mean, I'm like, you give me, it, when I hear a noise, man, I'm, I'm up with eight different weapons in my house ready to take down anyone because all men know we're called to protect our families. All women know you got a kid and a mom can take out a bear if a bear gets close to her kid. There's something in us that wants to protect our Homes. Now, what's interesting in our culture today is you're applauded for protecting your kids physically, right? I mean, you put you know headgear on them and elbow pads before you send them out to check the mail today because we got to keep them safe. But yet, in our culture, when you try to protect their hearts and their morals, you're often called an overprotective parent. We're applauded for protecting them physically, but people make fun of you when you try to protect them morally. We're going to find that God actually calls us to protect not only the physical nature, but to protect the purity of their 
hearts. Just as I was robbed physically, I believe we have a spiritual enemy who wants to rob our families of their purity, to break in, to steal, kill, and destroy their innocence and their trust. And Jesus gave us a very specific beatitude in Matthew chapter 5, 8, our key verse for the day. He said, blessed are the what? All of our churches, let's all say it aloud. He said, blessed are the pure in heart. For when you are pure in heart, what will you see? He said, for they will see God. I'll come back to that payoff at the end of the message, but let's start with blessed are the pure in heart. Now, the word heart in the Greek language is the word cardia. We get our word cardiac from that word. And Jesus was using this as a metaphor. He wasn't saying, blessed are those who have a pure organ that pumps blood through the veins. He was using it as a metaphor to describe the emotions and the feelings and the inner self. And so I wanna say very clearly that his message is much broader than what mine will be today. When he said, blessed are the pure in heart, he was talking about attitudes and motives and thoughts toward others. He was talking about a lot more than what I'm gonna talk about. For our purposes, I wanna narrow the scope down and talk about moral purity and apply it to our homes. Blessed are the what? Let's all say this beatitude. Blessed are the pure in heart for what will happen for they will see God. Now in our world today, it's very common for us to believe of ourselves and of other people that, oh, she's got a good heart. He's got a good heart. Young single girls dating a guy. Oh, he's not a Christian, but he's got a good heart. No, he's unemployed and he lives in his van down by the river. He smokes weed for dinner. He, you know, but, oh, he's got a good heart. You know, the reality is, although that's a common saying, it's simply not true of any of us. And let me show you in scripture, here's the, the thought, if you're taking notes, we need to understand that without Christ, there is no such thing as a pure heart. Without Christ doing heart surgery on us, there is no such thing in any of us as a pure or a good heart. In fact, Jeremiah 17, verse nine and 10 says this, the heart is what? It is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. It is deceitful, it lies to us and it deceives us. Who can understand it? God says, I, the Lord, search the heart and examine the mind. The heart is deceitful above all things. In fact, in Ephesians 4, verse 18 and 19, the Apostle Paul said something really profound to the believers in Ephesus. He said this uh, of those uh, who were Gentiles that had drifted from their faith or were non-believers. He said, they are darkened in their understanding. Everybody say darkened. They're darkened in their understanding, and they're separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the what? He said, due to the hardening of their hearts. They are darkened in their understandings. They're separated from the life that God wants them to have because of their ignorance. They don't even realize it because they're 
hearts have grown hard to the things that matter most. They're darkened in their understanding. How many of you have ever walked into a movie theater that was really dark and you walked in and you're like, oh, it's almost like you're hit by the darkness. Who, who knows what I'm talking about? Like you can't see anything. It's like, don't spill the popcorn and the candy we smuggled into the theater. <laughs> Be careful, right? Be careful. Well, what happens after you're in there for a few minutes? Suddenly you can see much better. Why? Because your eyes adjust to the the darkness. Could it be that in the majority of our homes, that our families that we love are separated from the life of God because we've been darkened in our understanding, because of our ignorance and our hearts have hardened and we don't even recognize that we're missing seeing the goodness of God because we've allowed so much impurity into our families and we don't even know it. He goes on to say this in verse 19, having lost what, everybody said, having lost all sensitivity, They've given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity. There are a few verses that might better describe our culture today, huh? Having lost all sensitivity, our culture is giving itself over to all sorts of sensuality and indulging in every kind of impurity. Now, in our lives, in our families, we love them, we wanna protect them, we wanna guard our marriages, we wanna, we wanna uh, protect the next generation. And so honestly, we would never do something like, hey, give our little babies, hey, here's a bottle full of poison. Drink this, little baby. We would never do that. We would never tell our kids to go swimming in a pool full of acid, right? We wouldn't do that. And yet, We'll send our 15-year-old daughters on a car date with some hairy-legged, pubescent-filled boy that we've never even met before, right? That happens all the time. We'll give our 14-year-old boy unlimited access to a mobile device where they can get into anything and everything that we would never want them to see and call that absolutely normal. And we would take our own hard-earned money and pay to be entertained by things that honestly must break the heart of God. And that's absolutely and completely normal in our world today. Could it be that one of the reasons our homes are not blessed is because our hearts have been hardened and we've been darkened in our understanding and without even knowing it, We've lost all sensitivity, and we're now indulging in every kind of evil. What's going to be different in our lives? Well, if you missed last week, we had a key thought that I want to revisit, and we will in the weeks to come. You may remember it, but we're going to have a mind shift, a different way of thinking. And here's what we're going to be. We're saying that we are not just a Christian family, but what are we? We are a Christ-centered home. 
Now, if you missed last week, you may say, you know, what's the difference? I don't understand. Well, in our culture today, honestly and sadly, it doesn't mean a lot to say, you know, we're a Christian family. Eighty-some-odd percent of the people in my country would say that. But if you look on, you would not say that 80-some-odd percent of them are Christ-centered in the way they live. There's a big difference. We can say, yeah, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Christian person. You know, yeah, I kind of believe in God. But there's a big difference between that and saying Jesus is first in every way. He's not just a part of my life. He is my life. And if we want the blessings of God then we need to learn to live according to his word. And that's exactly what the psalmist asked in Psalm 119, verse 9 and 10. He asked, how can a young person stay on the path of purity? Man, if you've got kids or you're a young person, that's a great question to ask. How in the world, with all the temptations in this world, can we stay on the path of purity? Well, here's what culture would tell you. Here's what culture would say about everything. Hey, just follow your heart. Follow your heart. You've got a good heart. Follow your heart. Listen to me. That's the stupid advice you could give anybody. Don't follow your heart. Your heart is deceitful. I've seen so many marriage cu- married couples in my married counseling who followed their heart right out of marriage into adultery. Why? Because my heart said, he's hot. My heart said, she smells good. Don't follow your heart. How can a young person keep their way pure? Here's how, the psalmist says. God, by living according to what? By living according to your word. Here's what I'm going to do. I will seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I've applied that verse, in, in, uh, that verse and translated it toward the family just for application. Here's, here's a different translation that I made uh, of this verse for myself. How can our family stay on the path of purity? Here's the answer. Not by following our hearts, but by living according to your word. We will seek you with what? We will seek you with all of our hearts. God, do not let us stray from your commands. Now, for those of you that aren't married and don't have a family right now, you're kind of kicking back going, yeah, Groeschel, sock it to them because it doesn't matter to me because I don't have a family yet. So I can do whatever I want, and then later on I'll get things right. I mean, right now I can sleep with who I want. I can drink what I want. I can smoke what I want. I can watch what I want. I can say what I want. I can do what I want. I can hang out. Oh, man, I could like rap if you're not careful. I can do whatever I want because I'll get it right later when it matters. I mean, later on when I have a family, no, listen to me, listen to me. What you do today matters. You don't build a life of righteousness on a foundation of sin. That's so good, I better say it again. I might tweet that later on, right? You, You don't build a life of righteousness on a foundation of sin. If you want a harvest of righteousness in your family later, you plant seeds of righteousness in the ground today. How can a young person stay pure? By living according to your word. So let's do this. Let's acknowledge that just perhaps in our homes, our eyes have grown accustomed to the darkness. Our hearts have been hardened, and we don't even see the ways that we've let impurity become a part of our lives. 
How can we go against the flow? Not as just a Christian home, but as a Christ-centered home. Truly wanting to, to raise a generation that puts Christ first and honors him in every single way. How can we practically create a culture of purity in our homes? And I could give you lots of different thoughts, but I want to give you three today. Because the first thing we need to understand is it's not going to happen by accident, right? You're not going to just get married and raise kids and 20 years later go, well, doggone, they're holy. Don't know how it happened. I mean, they were all pure. I mean, wow, what an accident, okay? It's not gonna happen. So let's get intentional, three thoughts. The first thing is, let's start with ourselves. Number one, get your own heart right. Let's start there. Get your heart right. And I don't care if you're 18 or 88, I believe you set the tone in the relationships around you. You set the tone, and no matter where you are, you lead toward purity. In fact, Solomon said this in, in Proverbs 4.23. He said, here's my best advice above everything else. What did he say to do? He said, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Guard your heart. So when we're looking at how do we behave, what do we allow into our families? What do we want to be influenced by? What do we want to read and what do we want to watch and what kind of entertainment do we want to have and what kind of friends are we going to allow closest to us and, and what kind of things are we going to feed our minds and, and what kind of thoughts do we want to have? How do we decide what's right and what's not right? Well, a lot of people would say, let your conscience be your guide. The problem is that scripture teaches our consciences can actually be seared. In other words, we can't trust our consciences for everything because like our hearts, we can deceive ourselves so easily. I'll give you an example. Um, for years, Amy would say to me, Craig, I really think some of the movies that we're seeing really probably aren't building us up as followers of Jesus. I'm like, ah, you're being, you know, you know, Amy, she's like perfect and all that stupid stuff. I'm like, yeah, don't be legalistic, you know, and, and, I, and, and I say, you know, a little bad language doesn't bother me. I mean, it's just bad language. A little violence, I mean, hey, you know, just, ah, just killing, you know, what's wrong with that, you know, and, and, and so I just kind of would say that kind of stuff, and, and my, my basic standard was if a movie's appropriate or not, if it's in the dollar theater, it's appropriate, that was my standard. You know, if it's cheap, we're there. And um, she said it over and over again. Well, we were out and went to a movie with our good friend Scott and Shannon, um, who helped us start the church years ago. And we went to see a movie called The Devil's Advocate. I don't know if you've seen this or not. And uh, well, judge me, thank you very much for your <laughs> comments. I'm sure you've never seen anything bad. Bless you, perfect person on the front row. <laughs> and so we're sitting in there, and there's, you know, there's like F-bomb and God's name in vain and on, on, on. And all of a sudden, I'm thinking, man, I've got like these leaders from our church and my friends from life. And, and I started thinking, I'm being a bad example of being here as their pastor, and I felt bad. And, and later on, I found out they were thinking, oh, my gosh, we're here with our pastor. We feel bad. <laughs> and it was when a ghost violently raped a girl in this movie that I thought to myself, I can't believe I've been rationalizing this for years. I can't believe 
that I've been paying money to be entertained by sin. That's what everybody does, right? I mean, it's what everybody does. I mean, we all, everybody does it in our culture. And to quote my mom and to admit just because everybody runs off a cliff doesn't mean you should either, right, son? (laughs) Thanks, mom. Just because everybody, now, here's the thing, what people say all the time, but it's funny. I mean, I know that this show's kind of crude, but it's funny. Oh, it's hilarious. I mean, it's funny, okay? If I told you a sexist joke or a racist joke that's really funny, does that make it okay? Because it's funny. No, 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 no. Funny doesn't make wrong right. Funny never makes wrong right. God, help me to get my heart right. And I guarantee you that just like me, all of us have been deceived in one way or another. If there's conversations that I have that are impure, convict me. If I'm thinking things that are impure, convict me. If I'm allowing things in my home that are impure, God, convict me, show me. If I've got relationships or friendships that take me down more than I bring them up, show me. If I'm being entertained by things that are wrong to you, God, show me. God, help me get my heart right first. The second thing, if you're taking notes, and this is so, so, so important, is parent to the heart. When you're working with your kids, parent to the heart. Most of us, we parent to the actions. In other words, all we want is the behavior, but we forget to focus on the heart. And all through Scripture in the Old Testament, when Samuel was anointing a king, he looked at David in 1 Samuel 16, 7 and said, the Lord doesn't look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but where does, it, where does God focus? The Lord looks at the heart, the heart. God looks at the heart. In fact, Jesus was a fanatic about the heart. In the Old Testament, Scripture taught, don't murder And then what did Jesus do? He talked to the heart. He said, hey, don't even hate. If you've hated, you've committed murder in your heart. Old Testament said, don't commit adultery. Jesus taught to the heart. He said, if you look lustfully at a woman, you've already committed adultery in your heart. He he hammered the Pharisees who had the outward behavior right. I mean, we gotta tip our hats to them and say, Your boys did it on the outside, they looked good. He said, the problem is the outside of your cup and dish is clean, but inside where the heart is filthy. Think about this, where do you eat from? You eat from the inside, the inside is most important. So when we're working with our kids, we don't wanna just settle for outward submission when there's still inward rebellion. And if you have a couple of kids, I can guarantee you've done this. One kid does something to the other kid, and you say, go apologize. Like, fine. I'm sorry you got your feelings hurt, you stupid big baby. Okay? Yeah. They did what you asked, but is your heart right? No, 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 no. So we don't stop loving them toward a right heart, not just actions but heart. Well, you can't go to the party. Fine! Bam! I hate you, Mom! Okay? No, that's not acceptable. And so we try to work for the why behind the what. Here's the why, and let's continue to talk and pray and work and parent toward 
the heart because the heart really, really matters. Right actions come out of a right heart. Why do you think when kids turn 18 and leave home, they go crazy because they've been conforming outwardly, but their heart wants to do their own thing? So we parent to the heart. We're working toward purity of the heart. Now, if I haven't offended you or made you uncomfortable yet or raised the standard yet, the third point is for you, okay? Number three, first thing is we're going to get our own heart right. Second thing is we're going to parent to the heart. And number three, which is most important, in our homes, as we want to be Christ-centered homes, we're going to pursue perfect purity of the heart. We're going to pursue perfect purity of the heart. The reason I chose the word pursue is because we can't achieve it on our own, but with the help of the power of God, we're going to pursue perfect purity. Why perfect purity? Isn't that raising the standard a little high? Because anything less than perfect purity is not purity. Anything less is not purity. We're going to pursue perfect purity of the heart in our homes. Ephesians 5, 3 Paul said this, he said, but among you, there must not even be a what? Don't miss this. He said, among you, there must not even be a hint. Everybody say it again. There must not even be a hint of sexual immorality. Not even a hint. Not even a little bitty, incy, wincy, not even a hint of sexual immorality. Pause. Pop quiz. Let me ask you some questions. Would committing adultery with four people be a hint of sexual immorality? Yes or no? The answer is yes. Would sleeping with 75% of the people you date before you're married, would that be a hint of sexual immorality? Yes or no? Yes. Well, would just looking lustfully at images on a screen breaking our wife's heart, would that be considered a hint of sexual immorality? Yes, if some hot girl walks by and you're in the gym and you start worshiping God for what you just saw, glory to God on high, praise you God for that. Mm-mm-mm. Would that be a hint of sexual immorality? Yes. According to Jesus, it actually would be, okay? Not even a hint. We're pursuing perfect purity of heart in our homes. He goes on to say this, not even a hint of sexual immorality or of what? He said, or of any kind of impurity, nothing, uh, of greed or, or whatever, because these are improper for God's holy people. The question is, how much impurity do you want to let in? I like the, the story I told several years ago about a kid who wanted to see a bad movie, and just, just PG-13, 12 years old. Mom said, no. Kid said, oh, there's not bad, a lot of bad stuff in it. Mom said, fine, first I'm going to make you brownies. The kid was pumped. She went out in the yard, got a little bit of spoonful of dog poop, (laughs) mixed them in the brownies, made the brownies and said, here you go, but before you eat them, you need to know there's just a little bit of poop in the brownies. (laughs) I'm not eating that, that's gross, that's gross. She said, no, 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 no. There's just a little bit of poop in the brownies. Just like there's a little bit of bad stuff in your movie. 
We're going to pursue, the kids love that, don't they? Pooping the brownies. Just say pooping church and kids love that. Okay. <laughs> Last week I, um, I talked about my daughters and uh, said that um, we never told them not to have sex. They're 19 and 17. We never told them not to. We just pursued righteousness. And then I talked about how they've chosen, they haven't even kissed a boy yet. And it was really interesting that uh, I got more criticism for that than just about anything I've said in a long time. Being like, ah, oh, stupid, ah, oh, stupid, ah, oh, gross, and, and it's just on and on and on and on and on. And I want you to know two things. Number one, my girls don't care what you think. Yeah. And yeah. number two, you might be missing the point. That their goal is not to be a virgin when they get married. They've got much higher goals than that. You can be a technical virgin, you know, well, we didn't, you know, we, everything else, but, you know, champion naked gymnastics, but we didn't go all the way. You, know, you can be a technical virgin, uh, but their goal is not to be a virgin. Their goal is purity of the heart. That they, they don't want to give their heart away to eight different guys before they're married, much less their body. They've got a higher goal. It's very different in the society today. It's much, much higher than my goal was, and I'm sitting back going, hey, you can shoot low, and you're going to hit low. You shoot high, and you're going to hit a lot higher than if you shoot low. What's your standard going to be? Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. And I see God all over my daughters. I see God using them as they lead and switch. I see God answering their prayers. Listen, when you, when you, when you find purity by the power of God, not just moral purity, but when God starts to change your heart and you stop desiring what you once desired and start desiring what matters to him, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will what? Say it with me, for they will see God. Imagine if you see God answer prayers and see God use you in the lives of others and, and see God make a difference through you and see God use your spiritual gifts and see and sense the presence of God with you and see his power at work in your life and see his goodness following you all the days and see him working in all things to bring about good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. When you're pure in heart, you can see the power of God in a way that you'd never even imagine. Now, some of you are going to go, well, great for your little virgin girls, but oh, I've screwed up big. I mean, my heart is, I mean, obviously messed up, and I've done things that are wrong, and, and I'm so far off. Listen, I relate more to you than I do to my daughters because that's my story. I messed up more than you could ever imagine. My heart is deceitful above all things. That's why I lean on the word of God in Ezekiel 36, 26, when God says, I'm not just gonna ask you to make your own heart better, but he says, I will give you a what? God says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. And I will remove from you your heart of stone. Some of you, your heart has grown hardened. Listen, if you're offended today, if you're pushing back, could it be that your heart has grown hard? I will give you a new heart and remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh, because there is a standard of righteousness we cannot achieve on our own. It takes the power and goodness 
of our God through Jesus Christ. And when we seek him and know him, we're not just a Christian family, we're a Christ-centered home. And suddenly the standard rises and the power of God gives us a new heart and we are different. Blessed are the pure in heart. God, help us be pure in heart so we can see you like we've never seen you before. Father, we pray today that your Holy Spirit would do heart surgery in all of our lives. As you pray at all of our different churches, some of you, you, you may recognize like I did at one point in my life, oh, that's, I've accepted this, but it's really not good for me or pleasing to God. Some of you might say, I, I recognize I'm letting some impurities into, into my life or into the lives of those that I love, and I feel very convicted by this. If you right now in the presence of God really would like to ask him to help you lift the standard of what you pursue, not just to let a little poop in your brownies, but to really, truly seek him at a higher level to pursue perfect purity. Doesn't mean you're gonna hit it. You can't hit it on your own, but you really want to pursue a deeper intimacy with him through the purity that opens the door to our ability to see him. God, help me to live even a purer life for your glory. Would you lift up your hands right now, all of our different churches, if that's you, just lift them high. And thank you, God, for the hands all over the place. Father, I pray that you would do a work in us. And God, just as you've shown me again and again new things that I didn't see, I pray that you would open our eyes to see where we've allowed darkness in our hearts. God, we pray that you would not only forgive us and we know you do freely through Christ, but God, you would empower us to do what we cannot do on our own. We can't fix our hearts. God, renew our hearts. Give us a new heart. Give us a heart after you above anything else. Like David, we would be known as a person with a heart after you. God, I pray especially for the families that we wouldn't be just called a Christian home, but God, we would be Christ-centered in all that we do. As you keep praying today at all of our different churches, there may be some of you are like, man, I, I don't, I, you know, I hear about this stuff, I think, I love to know God. I love to see God. I love, I, but man, I'm so far from him. My, my actions, I, I've got to clean up first. I've got to change what I do and how I behave. And I've got to kind of get better before I can go into all this God stuff. And I want to tell you right now, you can never get good enough for God on your own. It is impossible. Well, I, I, got, to, I got to kind of improve my heart. Listen, your heart's messed up. My heart's messed up. It is sinful and deceitful. And the only way we're made right with God is not by working our way toward him, but being changed by his power, being saved by his grace. He'll take the old heart and he will replace it with a new heart. Because of Jesus, who was without sin, who died and rose again, anyone who calls on his name will be saved. Anyone, and that includes you. At all of our different churches, there may be those of you who you recognize I really need his forgiveness. I really need his grace. That's the reason you're here today, to call on him. And when you do, he'll hear your prayer, he'll transform you, and you will never, ever be the same. And that's why many of you are here, and you know it. This is the moment of your salvation. All of our different churches, those of you who would say, yes, that's me, I need him, I need his grace. Today, I call on Jesus, save me, 
forgive me. I don't want to just call myself a Christian. I want to be Christ-centered in all I do. I'm making you first and the Lord of my life. That's your prayer. Lift your hands high right now, just all over the place. Lift them up and say, yes, that's my prayer right here and right here. God bless you guys over here in this section right over here as well. Praise God for you. Big hand raised high right here. God bless you. Sweetheart right over here. Welcome into God's family. Church online, you all click right below me. Others of you today who say, that's my prayer. I need his grace. I need his forgiveness. Way back over here in this back section, God bless you. Everybody, would you pray with those around you? Pray aloud. Pray, Heavenly Father, forgive me of all my sins. Make me brand new. Give me a new heart to serve you. Jesus, I believe you died for me and you rose again so I could live for you. Fill me with your spirit so I could follow you for the rest of my life. Thank you for new life. I give you mine. In Jesus' name I pray. Life Church, go crazy worshiping God, welcoming those today born into God's family.